Yo, yo, welcome, welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Millennials Pod. My name is Meeks and I'm your host. And you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram and other platforms. Thanks again for joining us this afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it is, wherever you are. In today's episode, I would like to go into the idea of reinventing oneself. So there's this idea of going through a career, going through a relationship, going through life and having to start over. And I want to propose that starting over can be a positive thing if you have your ducks in a row. In other words, the reinvention of yourself and getting better at doing a particular thing towards a particular goal is, I think, something noble and one that should be applauded when people make mistakes or fail or things just don't go the way that one would have hoped that they go. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about the reinvention of Riri, as you guys well know, Rihanna, and the reinvention of Andre 3000. And what I'm finding out today is the reinvention of Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO and chairman of JP Morgan Chase. So let me start off with the story of Rihanna, because that's a very interesting tale about a young lady from the small island, Caribbean island of Barbados, who became a sensational artist and is now, I believe, close to a billionaire at this point because of multiple investments outside of her musical career. And so Rihanna's story is very interesting. So when I was in Brooklyn, I remember my roommates were obsessed with with Rihanna and I had two female roommates. So that might be part of the reason. But that the fact that she was also pretty hot around 2013, Umbrella had come out a few years before that. And she was just having a massive success rate in the early 2010 and so on. So Rihanna is interesting because she influenced a bunch of people in terms of their fashion sense, in terms of just being very tough and out there. And to some extent, her openness was well received. But at some point, folks kind of would see her in compromising situations. I'll give an example. So one of my friends showed me there was a there was a time when photos were being leaked of artists and celebrities and Hollywood musicians and actors. And I think Rihanna may have fallen into that whole leakage. So one of my friends is like, yo, come check this out. And it turns out she's (laughs) besides smoking weed, which everybody knows that Rihanna did uh, pretty often and open, which is part of her allure, I guess, with young people not endorsing weed smoking on this show. But in this video, my friend shows me she's having relations with a few guys, uh, not at the same time, but, you know, one after the other. And one of the guys was basically like an average Joe, like a straight up Brooklyn dude. And, you know, she's, you know, getting totaled by this guy. Of course, it wasn't super, super graphic, but you could tell it was Rihanna. And so there was a moment there where folks were just kind of trying to understand, you know, you're a famous person, but... Where's this all going? You know, like this shouldn't be kind of like the face that you want to show the public about who you are. You know, you're representing a bunch of people from the Caribbean. These are low income people, people who struggled and come to the U.S. to make a life better for themselves. And ultimately just getting into a situation that maybe does not represent our people in in the best light. In any event. So around this time is when she started her foundation. I believe it's uh, named after her parents, Clara and Lionel Foundation, in which she was trying to support folks who've been impacted by climate environmental distraction. And so she was trying to do things a little bit more on the positive scale, which I should say is still ongoing. So apparently uh, they are still supporting various groups and organizations and peoples that have been impacted by climate change. Matter of fact, the CEO of the organization interim, I think her name is Joe Opot, is a Kenyan who is also doing some of that work in Kenya as well as in San Francisco. So, you know, Rihanna has kind of kept to her mission of supporting folks who are impacted by the 
climate change that's happened in the last few years. Now, that's something I won't get into. What does climate change actually mean? Does it mean weather warfare? Does it mean, you know, our government seeding the air with nanoparticles that are supposed to kind of mitigate the climate issues and at the same time are causing health concerns? Yeah, that's a totally different story that I'll get into possibly at a different time. In any event, it's laudable what Rihanna is doing with the nonprofit. And again, this is when she's starting to turn from just being a pop artist with mad scandals into a woman who's actually reinventing herself. Okay. So fast forward, she does her thing in music and starts tapering off. And now she's into fashion, you know, the whole Fenty brand, which again, I was not privy to, but some of my female friends and even a girl that I was dating were somewhat into what she was doing as an entrepreneur. And so she reinvents herself, becomes an entrepreneur, is making vocal money, selling her Fenty products. And you're seeing this transition over a number of years and seeing her kind of growing into a woman who's more focused about the way her life should kind of proceed. At some point, I guess she wanted to date or at least it's supposedly said that Drake was trying to shoot his shot with her. But, you know, they could have been a couple. Right. But I think she just took stake of where she was in life and decided maybe uh, she needs to kind of go a different route. Maybe a huge artist like Drake might not be the best move for her brand. I'm not I'm just speculating here. But of course, she had the opportunity to date the guy in any event. So she turns out to become a great businesswoman. And over time, she seems like she wants to settle down. And of course, the story goes that she ended up with Rocky, Aesop Rocky, the rapper from Harlem. And there are two kids in and it seems to be working out. So Rihanna has reinvented herself in the last 10 years in a way that I think is interesting and worth noting. And I think we can take some ideas from her page of reinvention to kind of apply to our lives and maybe do the same. So kudos to her. I don't know what her next plan is because, you know, she might drop an album after raising her second child, maybe a couple of years from now. But she seems to be settled with the idea of herself as a as a woman beyond just an artist in the public view. And I think it's hard to tell what her personal life is. You know, I often think about what are some of the sacrifices folks had to make personal sacrifices to get to the point of where they are, right? So I'm not speculating here that her personal life is settled and that she's happy. I'm just saying that from somebody who's seeing things from outside, she looks like she's matured and developed into a capable businesswoman. Okay. So moving forward in terms of thinking about this idea of reinvention, I want to go into my man, Andre 3000, who just dropped an album. And it's named New Blue Sun. Okay, so this is an album that 3000 dropped literally a few days ago. And I was lucky enough to listen to it, at least part of it. And I'll go back and check it out. And just listen to the first song, which is titled I Swear, which I don't like to do, but I'm just doing this for the sake of this pod. I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. So again, it's I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. And it's eight records. And that first record is 12 minutes and 20 seconds. And so he's hearkening back to, you know, the chamber music sound, the Philip glasses, the kind of transcendental kind of music vibe, which a lot of people probably are not too savvy on. And so for Andre, who's kind of walked a different path since retiring from the group Outkast, those who don't know him, is very interesting that he's developed a new genre to kind of explore. And over time, I'm sure it just started as a hobby. I saw a GQ interview that he did a few a few days ago, and he's talking about, you know, he just liked playing the flute and he liked his new lack of fame, I guess, in terms of he would just go to public places and he wouldn't necessarily get crowds like jumping at him because he'd been out of the game for so long. And so his sort of like fame had dissipated somewhat. And so he was just enjoying life. He'd go out to places, play his flute. And of course, people would catch him and they would like record him. 
and he basically wasn't too happy about that but he just kind of let it roll because he wasn't getting like tons of people crowding him out so Andre has matured and grown and he's gone from a rap album to an instrumental album and it sounds good. I mean, again, that first record sounds sounds pretty compelling in terms of his ability to break out of the proverbial box of hip hop. And, you know, he talks about in that GQ Arctic video how when he performed and wrote the song Hey Ma in the early 2000s, which blew up, his friend, one of his friends basically told him that if you if you put this out your career is is a done deal like don't even do it like he just didn't see the vision that Andre did with that song and therefore with this album Andre is just kind of hearkening back to his primal instincts and just doing what he thinks sounds good sonically for him of course he had to take some time to learn how to play the flute and I think he plays a couple of other instruments on this album but ultimately he was happy enough and satisfied enough to put this out after learning how to play those instruments and so the same instincts that he had with Hema which blew up. I mean, I think it's gone 10 times platinum, that record with Speak a Box with Andre 3000 and Big Boy and The Love Below. I mean, that was that was a classic. So he's coming back to his primal roots of creativity, which I encourage young people and millennials to really consider. Think back to when you were young and you were creative and you just kind of had a rosy view about the world. It was a sort of utopic feel of what the world offered. And you were like, yo, I can do I can do whatever I want. You have to go back to those kind of instincts and hopefully their righteous instincts because you know if you're dreaming of doing something nefarious of course we don't endorse that however that's what i think guys like virgil and guys like andre have been able to do so well and you have to be able to take time to just kind of relax and just take stock of what you've done and then come back around and produce something that's solid and d'angelo did the same thing right so d'angelo is notoriously known for taking significant amount of time between albums and producing some really good stuff when he returns so like in 2014, I think when probably the last Afropunk that I attended in Brooklyn, he performed Black Messiah. And I, I write about that experience in my book. You know, that was for me the turning point of Brooklyn culture in regard to it just became repetitive after that. And it didn't hit me until maybe a few years later that we had hit the peak of that New York millennial experience. That was a subjective kind of thought that I had, but that time period kind of encapsulated an era that I don't think we will get back in this lifetime. It was a very creative era. It was a very nuanced era and people were allowed to just be themselves and explore different genres of things without you know, going extremely off the rails, which is what I think has happened in the last few years, but not to digress. So D'Angelo did some good work and so is our man 3000 with this record. And so you have to be willing to try to really try and renew yourself and recreate aspects of who you are. And this is from a purely material point of view. I I won't get into the spiritual aspect of it, but you guys would probably know where my sentiments are with that if you've listened to previous podcasts. However, from a material point of view, I think what 3000 is doing is really interesting. And I encourage people to be more curious, even in their advanced ages, to try and recreate that glory that they kind of had back in the day, but with with a different tinge to it. And you should be okay with doing that, right? Like you shouldn't be rapping about the same things in your 40s that you did when you were 20 years old. I think that that's an issue that sometimes as we're maturing, we kind of grapple with. It's like, should I go back to doing the stuff that I did when I was younger, when I was super creative? Or should I kind of like employ the knowledge that I've obtained in these years, in my latter years to kind of be a better artist? Which I think, for example, Nas did with Hit Boy. He was like, you know what? I'm going to jump on this on this 
producer because I like his style. It kind of meshes with my mature kind of energy. And they produced a whole number of records, which were classics. At least three of those albums he produced with Hit Boy were top notch during the COVID era. Right. So the reinvention of Riri, the reinvention of 3000. And now let's talk about a different type of reinvention, which I read about. And this is the reinvention of your financial way of doing business. And Jamie Dimon is the CEO and chairman of JP Morgan Chase. He's been so since 2006. And I'm reading an article today that basically shared that he sold a million of his shares in JP Morgan Chase, right? So he's sold a million of his own shares in his own company. And you have to wonder, what does that mean? Is it an omen for the economy that is kind of tapering off in growth? I definitely believe there has to be some kind of correlation because Jamie's always in the mix of things. And JP Morgan Chase is the largest bank in the US. I believe it has like a 400 billion market cap and trillions, maybe three trillions in assets under management. I think it might be more than that, close to 10. Yeah, I think the article said that he tripled AUM in the time that he's been at JP as the chief, right? So we have to ask ourselves, what is it that some of these people in finance that are doing and why are we not following suit? You really have to dig deep with when it comes to finance, you really should check out what the guys at the top of the food chain are doing and emulate them. For example, China is stacking up a lot of gold, right? And they produce the most gold in the world, but they're stacking up in addition to that tons of gold. And they have thousands of tons of gold. I think they're number five and the US has the most with like 8,000 tons of gold, right? Reserves. But China is still trying to keep stacking up their share of uh, reserves and gold just in case things go left with this global economy, which it looks like it's, it's going left because for the first time in a very long time, the M3 has gone down which in Federal Reserve speak is the money in the general economy that is circulating has decreased, right? So it's a very interesting time financially. And I encourage people to think about how they can reinvent their portfolios, their financial portfolios, and think outside the box. And here, I think we want to think about not just precious metals, but and cryptocurrencies. You know, Bitcoin has gone parabolic in the last seven years and will likely continue to do so. But I think people need to just consider thinking completely outside the box, right? So where is Jamie Dimon going to deploy those shares or the money that he's gotten from selling those shares? Where is he going to deploy those? He has a huge art collection from my understanding. I think they said it's close to a billion. I stand to be corrected, but they said he has a huge art collection. So where else do you think he could deploy those funds? And by the way, he and his family have about 8 million shares total. So he sold 1 million shares, which leaves him with 7 million, obviously. And who knows what he'll do with that in the next few years. But the idea is to try and emulate what these folks are doing. And so I'm encouraging people to think outside the box in terms of strategy, financial strategy. And so if you're buying property or land, which is being bought up by BlackRock, and now we're hearing Bezos is also buying tracts of land all over America and homes, right? So you want to think about what can I do to kind of support myself and my family and my community? Because we have to think in the African tradition of it takes a village with what's going to happen in the near future. You have to build community. It's inevitable. But thinking in those terms, how can I get an investment property, a a piece of land? How can I invest in someone else who's coming up with an alternative way of thinking about the financial markets? Really dig deep and just stop following the crowd. I think the lesson that I want to impart with listeners in this pod is you have to be an individual who's willing to think on your own and come to decisions based on what you know for certain. And this ties into religion as well. And I mentioned it in the last podcast, but I should bring it back and just suggest that 
you have to know what you believe. So I encourage you to go back to listen to the previous part, but you have to know what you believe and why you believe in it. I think this is going to be a more useful kind of way of thinking and looking at the world than it has been in the past. You know, before you could just kind of like 401k, you know, it's going to be invested in all these different things, bonds, stocks, EFTs, index funds, the whole night. That day is gone, folks. Just because you haven't seen the, the second shoe to drop doesn't mean that it's not on its way to drop. And it's better to be five years early than one minute late with these financial issues. So I encourage folks to really look into alternative methods of securing their financial welfare and reinventing yourself, so to speak, when it comes to your financial plan. That being said, I do want to just reiterate that, you know, the reinvention of Riri, Andre 3000, Jamie Dimon, and all the other people I've mentioned in this pod is an example of how you, in whatever sphere or place that you are in, you don't have to be a billionaire like these guys, but wherever you are in your life, just pray about it and by faith, move towards the path you believe God is showing you to pursue, right? The idea of faith and movement is extremely important in what you need to kind of do to reinvent yourself. And so I encourage you to do so. And if you have any questions, you know where to leave your comments and your questions. Until next time, enjoy. That's the pod. Yo, yo, welcome. Welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy.